When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the latest edition of ESPN FC live here on ESPN Plus. I'm Dan Thomas, joined in the studio by Ali Moreno and Stevie Nicol. Later on in the show, Mark Clattenburg will be here to talk about some of those controversial calls, as will Mario Malchior. Jan Fjortov joins us, though, as we kick things off with the conclusion of the US Soccer Federation investigation into Greg Berhalter. He remains eligible to be coach of the US men's national team. Now, this, of course, goes back to the World Cup and this soap opera that developed between the Berhalters and the Rayner families. Just taking you through a quick timeline. Back in December the 11th, Greg Berhalter's comments leaked from off-the-record leadership conference that he almost sent an unnamed player home. We, of course, then learned that that unnamed player was Gio Reyna. U.S. Soccer and Higher Laws terms to oversee investigation into Greg Berhalter after Daniel Reyna, Gio Reyna's mother, mentions a domestic violent incident in the 1990s to U.S. Sporting Director Ernie Stewart. Fast forward to New Year's Eve. Greg Berhalter's contract as head coach expires. 3rd of January, Greg Berhalter admits the domestic violence with now wife Rosalind from 1991. And today, the findings from the independent investigation have been released. Part of those findings included these texts sent from Claudio Reyna after that 1-1 draw against Wales. Gio Reyna didn't play in this game. To McBride, our entire family is disgusted, angry and done with you guys. Don't expect nice comments from anyone in our family about US soccer. I'm being transparent to you, not like the political clown show of the Federation. To Ernie Stewart, US Soccer Sporting Director, what a complete and utter expletive joke. Our family is disgusted, in case you're wondering, disgusted at how a coach is allowed to make, never be challenged and do whatever he wants. Uh, more then, this from some Danielle Rayner to an unnamed US Soccer employee. Once this tournament is over, I can make one phone call and give one interview and his cool sneakers and bounce passes will be gone. Uh, this is what Greg Berhalter had to say in the investigation. There were 150 people in the friends and family program at this year's World Cup. All were having a great time, except for five people who were absolutely miserable. Those five were cursing, acting horribly. It was the Rainers. Right. So, Jan, Jan is with us as well, because we're going to get Jan's view for what they're saying, if anything, in Germany. But I want to start here in the studio. So, overall... This was all about whether or not Greg Berhalter was still worthy of coaching this team. It seems that he is. Should we start there or should we start with the Rainers? Where do you want to start, Ali? Uh, well, I don't think you can start one without the other because, and I just want to make this very clear. In, in black and white, when you look at these text messages in a vacuum, obviously there are some issues with the Rainers, clearly. But I think it would be naive of us to think that these issues are just in four or five text messages. The relationship between, and it's not just Berhalter and Gio Reina, it's between the Berhalters and the Reinas goes back a long, long time. And over those 
long years that they have known each other, obviously there has been a back and forth. Obviously they've been close at times and not so close at other times. So there's been a lot of history. There's been a lot of complex issues that have come up and things that are intertwined. So if we just look at five or six text messages, then clearly the reinas don't come out of this looking all that great. In fact, embarrassing to a degree. But if we think of this as a totality, as a bigger picture, nobody looks good in this. Nobody comes out a winner here because clearly there's more complex issues within this relationship than just the black and white text messages that we see. There are a lot of gray areas here. There's a lot of nuance here and a lot of things that we don't know that go beyond these text messages. I really think we have to be careful as to how we frame one or the other, because I think both have a major part in this. Overall, it seems like a set of parents who want the best for their child mm. and don't think he's getting the chances that he deserves. This is international soccer we're talking about, mm. right? This isn't under 10s, schoolboy, club football. Mm. I mean... And it wouldn't be acceptable if it was and under And it's not 10. acceptable. Yeah. And for any parent watching this, the next time you're inclined to go complaining to the coach about wee Johnny not getting kicking a ball, just, just have a think. You know, have a think. And the, the two things that stick out in all this for me, the, the first one is, you know, when Claudia talks about the coach has to be challenged, the coach is the one who picks the team. Who else do you want to pick the team? Are you saying that, why are you having a coach then? Yeah. Is it, do you want a committee? Do you want to go back to the early 1900s when a committee picked the team? No, I don't think so. And the other thing, and probably the biggest thing that bothers me, is that somebody who's been there and done it and who should know better has decided to put somebody's life and career in jeopardy because that's what they've done. They've, they've tried to put Bear Halter in a position where nobody will touch him on purpose. That, that bothers me a lot, that just because your son doesn't get a game of football, mm. you're willing to put somebody's life in jeopardy, basically. His, his professional career, shall we say, not his life, his professional career, that's, that is so wrong in so many levels. And I'm not, I'm not defending Daniel Reina or the Reinas in general here, but I don't think it's just about the not playing against Wales or not playing as much as they would have liked for Gio Reyna to play in the World Cup. I think this goes back to after all of it was done, after the World Cup was done. Those December 11th leak comments. Yes, and the, the, then to then bring out and really put Gio Reyna, expose Gio Reyna in the manner in which Greg Berhalter exposed the player. Because then that became personal. And I think that's when Mama Bear said, no, I'm going to protect my son. You're going to take shots at my son, I'm going to protect my son. Now, admittedly, and obviously, it's not the way to go about it. Text messages is not the way to go about it. If, if for no other reason, because now there is a record. There's a trail huh? that, that, that put you in a position in which you just don't look very good. It looks very much like a, an entitled parent, sort of helicopter parent, that while she may want the very best for her son, it doesn't come across that way, right? It, it, if, we could, if we put this in the court of public opinion, it doesn't come across as 
her protecting her son as Mama Bear being uh, protective of Gio Reyna and his situation and what his future may be because in the manner in which Greg Berhalter was talking about Gio Reyna in a per what was a personal attack even though he says he's an unnamed player we knew it was Gio Reyna he was saying all sorts of negative things that could have affected the future of Gio Reyna's career as well so again I'm not in any way defending Daniel Reyna and the approach that she took but I can see the pathway by which she said if you're going to go after my son, I can go after you as well. Uh, Jan, obviously you're here to give us the German perspective, but I want you, uh, from a dad perspective first, obviously Marcus is a professional footballer. Can you empathise at all, considering the journey you've seen your son go on as a father to what the Rainers have experienced? I think everybody will have, have had kids in sport understand what's going on. And I think this is one of the biggest problems we have in sport that parents or grandparents going to the coaches complaining about their son, especially in football, because uh, when you do athletics, it's quite easy. The quickest is the quickest. And if you're slower, you are slower. Football is all all about opinions. And and I, I don't want to be involved in, in this kind of soap opera and who is who is to blame or whatever. But I think people should understand that this coming out, this is a big trouble also for, for coaches down in under seven, under eight, and under nine, because this is happening all the time. For me, this is very embarrassing. I always try to stay away from whatever. Marcus had a spell in, in Scotland when he didn't play. There is no chance that I will use my kind of position or whatever to go and talk to the coach. I think that you... Well, if the only thing I can say about the Rainers, they don't they don't help their son, do they? And they mm. may think they help their son, but they for me, Gio Reina, I, I worked with him, I've interviewed him, I've seen him in a lot of games. He looks like a great kid, but you're not doing him any favors to to run around and think that you have to cover him in a blanket because he's not playing football games because that is the matter of the coach anyway and if that got 100 years back or 10 years back on 10 days back it's still the coach who, who picked the team so i don't think they've done him any favors at all uh is this being picked up in germany at all in the media yeah not yet, but I expect it to be because when this this uh, this uh, case started, the the German press were after this. But this is quite quite fresh. Of course, Reina is a uh, Reina dad is a, is a well-known player in, in in Germany. So I expect them to pick this up because this will be big with with Gio Reina now, of course, playing at Borussia Dortmund. Uh, okay, let's put the Reina situation aside a little bit and look forward now. This committee has concluded that Rayner can still be coach. Berhalter. Berhalter. Should, uh, <laughs> Should he be? No. No, no. This is this has gone too far, and I just don't think that there is a way that Greg Berhalter comes back into the national team and has the full trust and respect of everybody involved with the national team. More importantly, the players. And may I remind you, and I don't think this is something that we can ignore. Gio Reyna, whatever you may think of him, whatever his behavior may have been or not been at the World Cup, is still, arguably, the most talented American player out there. To the point to where I would argue that maybe even more so than Christian Pulisic. That perhaps his ceiling is even higher than that of Christian Pulisic. So if you're the United States men's national team, how do you leave Gio Reyna out of the picture. And if you're Greg Verhalter and you're coaching this team, 
I don't think there's any chance that you bring back Gio Reyna because of how far this has gone. So I think this is one where you look into the future, if you are the U.S. Soccer Federation, you thank Greg Berhalter for his efforts and his services, and you move on, and you have a clean start with a new manager in place. Can you imagine the circus if Greg Berhalter got the job? Because you couldn't not pick Giorena. Right. Can you imagine the circus? It would just all start up all over again. So for that reason alone, there's no way Greg Berhalter gets the job. Absolutely no way, because Giorena will be in the next US squad. You can't have the two of them in the same place at the same time. So that means Berhalter's got no chance of getting the job. Well, the discussion will continue about this subject, I'm sure, in the latest edition of Football Americas, which is available to watch later today on ESPN+. Be sure to check it out. Well, Giorena struggling for minutes at the moment, isn't he, with Borussia Dortmund. Hopefully he'll feature in their clash against Clone on Saturday afternoon. Coverage of that game starts at 1.30 Eastern. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't a search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work, use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash FC. Just go to Indeed.com slash FC right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on the podcast. Indeed.com slash FC, terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Did you know less than 10% of Americans own an e-bike? Here's why that should change. Studies show e-bike owners actually end up exercising more, plus getting outside more. If you're looking for a balanced lifestyle and everyday adventures, you need to check out Electric e-bikes. They are the number one selling e-bike brand in America. Their bikes are typically foldable, pre-assembled and have serious range up to 150 miles on some models. Check them out today at electricebikes.com and add some more adventure to your week. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-Bikes.com. It's the second leg of Manchester City against Leipzig on Tuesday. City, of course, go into that tie 1-1. They are big favourites, though, to advance 6-1 on uh, Leipzig, 4-1 outsiders. Interesting, over the last 24 hours, we've heard from both Kevin De Bruyne and Pep Guardiola. This is what uh, De Bruyne had to say on his recent form. Remember, he hasn't featured as much as we would expect. Started on the bench again at the weekend. Obviously, people have a different standard for me to a lot of players. It's just what it is. You know the stats. I've created the most in the league and have the most assists, and I've not even played four or five games. For me, it's the same. I've been doing the same thing for eight years and 15 years in professional football, so I'm feeling fine. For the first time today, we heard Pep Guardiola, Guardiola open up a little bit more about Kevin De Bruyne. It was a difficult season, I would say, for, for all of us, me included, for the World Cup, for many things, for uh, do it. So, I'm not, I would say the same, I'm not going to discover Kevin. Kevin has the ability to do it. So what I would like is to many times to him to go to the easy principles, do it well. 
He has an incredible ability to make an assist, to score goals, and see passes like um, you know anyone else. But always I believe they will increase and will get better when the simple things that don't lose the ball, the mobility, that incredible capacity to be active in the movement, the simple things do it again better and better. When this is going to happen, the rest will come along. I would not like to have the feeling that uh, it's like Erling. I don't want to just score goal goals and the rest I don't care. So he will score when we'll be involved in the game. In our game, we'll be involved. It means you are inside of the game, the ball is calm, you're going to put in the net. The Kevin is the same. When the sympathy is perfectly, you are in the right moment, move outside, inside, when you have to attack the channels or whatever you do, whatever you feel, in that moment, the actions to create incredible passes that only him can find him, it will be easier. It will be better. Wow, we introduced Mario and Jan uh, with us as well. Stevie, this fascinates me. Basically, what he wants to do, he wants Kevin De Bruyne to simplify his game, and as a result, he'll get better as a player. He's not bad at the moment, is he? Yeah, I don't... I don't quite get where the psychology of this is coming from. I'm, I'm not so sure that any player likes being dissected in public, even though he's trying to make it come across as saying how fantastic he is. Mm. But there's still, a, a, there's still criticism going on there. And I guess, I guess the only reason you would criticise any player, never mind maybe your best one, is to maybe kick the bear, get it going again, liven it up. But it just seems a strange way of going about it. I think if I was wanting to, if I was wanting to irritate Kevin De Bruyne to get him playing, I would maybe do it in public and look him in the face. Do it in private. Yeah, sorry, privately, yeah, not publicly. Uh, and, and look him straight in the eye and just say, look, hey, you ain't doing it. Why are you not doing it? And then, then you'll get the reaction that he's looking for. So I think it kind of, I was, I was, a bit, I thought the, the message was strange. He's so good, but he's not playing. It's weird. Yeah, Mary, are you surprised this has become public? Yeah, definitely. I mean, what Stevie just said, I, I totally agree with it. Because, you know, you also have to have the trust. And this was uh, like one of your best players in your team for so long. Until you start jumping and changing. I mean, what is it, the last seven games? You put him three times outside it. So people are going to question it. Of course, he's, he's going to get that question. He's prepared for it. But, and he has enough experience to answer those questions. But on the other side, it's Kevin is sitting there. You can, even as a player, he might not come out. And we're going to judge Kevin in, in a way because he always puts his standards that high because he was performing like that, and he still is. But the only thing is that Pepe doesn't agree with certain uh, uh, things that he's doing. But still, we have to understand that you come in a team, eh? and in a team, this happened before in any team. You know, It's always like when the iconical player uh, gets to the top and there's a moment where the coach is like the mis disagreement with him. But you still got to be careful because the group can be affected by it if the group also doesn't agree. So sometimes you need to have the private conversation. And you as a player need to do it, but also as a team, Pep needs to do that. And I hope he did it. But yeah, maybe he had that private conversation, get, didn't get the reaction he wanted, hence he's gone public. Well, yeah, I'm a big fan of Kevin De Bruyne. I follow him in Germany, of course, and, and, and he's a great player, one of the best in the world at his best. But we also have to be quite honest, uh, during the World Cup and after the World Cup, that is not the Kevin De Bruyne that we have used to see. He has put the targets very high. He, he uh, Yes, I can see the numbers. Uh, it has, he, he's doing still some assists. But that is not the Kevin De Bruyne that we used to say 
that was world class. And I'm not 100% with the boys. I think that, first of all, I think that this has been done privately. I think they've, they've spoken about this. And then you're using that kind of message in the media to put a bit pressure on him. Saying that this is not going to be done public, in the moment you put him on the bench, that is public anyway, that you don't rate him as highly as you did before. So I think that Pep Guardiola is looking for the right, right way to get to him. I've seen Pep Guardiola winning games being mad. I've seen him lose games at Manchester United when he was so pleased with the team and everything was okay. And other games he took out three of the, the youngest players and they're the only ones I can trust. So I think that Pep Guardiola just looking for the right way to pe get Kevin De Bruyne not from a good Premier League players player into a world-class midfield player that we are so used to see. Does he play against Leipzig on Tuesday? I think he does. After all this nonsense, I think he does. And I think we can all agree, we may have different perspectives on this, but we can all agree that Manchester City are a better team and more goal dangerous, consistently more goal dangerous when Kevin De Bruyne is on the field. Even a lesser version of Kevin De Bruyne still makes Manchester City more goal dangerous than not being on the field. The thing that I thought was interesting of all the comments that Guardiola mentioned there is that he wants to improve his level of activity. And that, I think, is the message. If you remain active over the course of the game and you do the basic things, then all this talent takes over and all the big passes are going to be there regardless. But the level of activity is the one that I perhaps think is where Pep Guardiola is saying, I need you to move. I need you to find the spaces. I need you to stay active because that, may, that means better possession of the ball for us, more significant possession of the ball for us, and more productive possession of the ball for us. So it's not just about finding the, the, the beautiful pass that everyone is going to talk about. I want you to complete the little passes so that then that big pass opens up. Yeah. So that then that, that pass that separates you from the rest opens up. I think the level of activities for Pep Guardiola is being somewhat critical of Kevin De Bruyne. You know, hold on a minute. Oh. I, I actually don't really care about how Pep's trying to... He's trying to explain to us what he needs to do and what he doesn't need to do. Mm. I am sorry. There is not a player born <laughs> that wants his manager to, to cut him up and, and say he's not doing things on the field. Mm. I, I'm sorry, there's not one player alive it's getting who under your skin to, a bit, Steve. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. it is getting under my skin. I, I, I don't know one who wants the, their manager to sit in a press conference in front of everybody and Man City goes round the world and say, this guy's not playing well, this guy's not doing this, this guy's not doing that. There's not a player alive that wants to publicly have that aired out. I think it's completely wrong. And listen, he may be a great coach on the football field, but, but clearly, psychologically, in my opinion... That is an absolute and utter no-no to do that yeah. to one of your players. Not, in fact, your best player. Do you, do you agree, care. Mario? Yeah, because Stevie, imagine he, it will go the other way around. We will go crazy. We'll be in trouble as an individual. Imagine you're a player and you have a go at your coach. You're not allowed to do that too. And you know you're going to lose the battle. So you have to do it privately. I, I am not the public guy. I hate when people go public. If I was Kevin and my coach goes public... I would definitely go in, in the room and say the next morning, yeah. can we talk? Why? Right. Because if I had a go at him, if I had a go at him, I guarantee you he would, would call me in and say like, 
Why are you talking about me? Why are you saying this is happening in the group? I don't want you to do that. No, I totally agree with that. I think things with, is when it's an individual criticism, we only have advantages when we do it privately. In the group, you can have a go at me. You can scream at me. You can do whatever you want. But don't do it when it comes to outlets and our media, whatever you want to call it. Don't do that. Keep that in the group. And, and by the way, just so everybody's clear, just because he does it privately doesn't mean it's okay to do it publicly as well. well so let's, let's get that. But maybe he did it privately and didn't work. So he's just in his last chance saloon, basically. He's just trying anything now to get a reaction. Well, I'll tell you what, if that's, your, if that's the last thing you've got in your locker to try and help a player, then, then good, good luck. Right. It's a complete and utter no-no. Complete and utter no-no. Uh, go on, Jan. I'm just, I'm just start thinking there's something wrong with me because I didn't react that much what, what he was saying. I understand what Steve is saying if you have a go at him. He tried to explain and sometimes coaches get a bit too educational, too much teachers and coaching in the media when they wanted to, to make a, a, a proper answer to, to, to a question in a, in a press conference. I see this as a coach desperate to get uh, Kevin De Bruyne uh, back on, on track if it's the right uh, if he gets the right reaction from him he's doing the right thing if not then i'm with stevie but i think that that wasn't that bad but uh slowly i'm now thinking that maybe the snow has got into my head that i'm different come on get out of there <laughs> but, that's, but that's the whole point jan you're not it's not it's not you he's talking about it's kevin de bruyne so Kevin De Bruyne is going to be listening to every single word he says. Yeah. And Kevin De Bruyne is going yeah, to try but, and figure but, it out. And eventually, when but, it comes to the end of it, he's going to go, by the way, why is he talking about me? Why is he criticising me? Yeah. So, so it's, it's different when it's you, when it's actually you that's involved in it. It's a yeah. different ballgame. Absolutely, and I was as vulnerable as every other player when someone talked about me in the public. But I, I, I tend to trust that Pep Guardiola knows Kevin De Bruyne more than you, Steve, and more than me. And that's why mm -hmm. I say that there must be a reason behind it. And that's what I see. If he gets the reaction he needs, then he's done all, everything right. So let's see. Uh, let's take a look then at the predictions, shall we, for that clash against Leipzig. 1-1, as I mentioned, in the first leg in Germany. Everyone thinks Manchester City are going to go through. Everyone thinks it's going to be 2-0, uh, with the exception of uh, Jan Argerfjordov. Um, I don't think we need to discuss this game particularly, do we, given what we've just seen uh, there. Uh, overall, when it comes to win the Champions League, take a look at the odds. Manchester City, of course, traditional favourites. They blow it one way or another, and they are continuing to be favourites 2-1. Uh, to win it. Napoli at 6-1 looks a massive prize, doesn't it? Considering how much they've been tearing it up in Italy. Uh, it, it's interesting, obviously, today we saw Guardiola again trying to play it all down, Mario. It's like, I don't know why people keep asking about the Champions League. This team has never won it. It's not like I work for Real Madrid. But we know the expectations. We know the money and we know what Pep Guardiola brings. Inevitably, you're going to be asked about the Champions League and it is going to be a litmus test of his success, isn't it? He's super intelligent, you know, we're talking about this situation too, you know, uh, before, but now uh, the Champions League, you know Pep wants the Champions League. Look, he, he can say it, I said it a couple of years ago already when I spoke about him, I said, look, Pep won at first, you come to England, you win the league, you, you uh, set up the team, you get the players, you get the individuals that you want to make sure he can dictate the league. Okay, he did that. Now it comes down, what, what's next? Why I say that what's next? Because we have to remember, eh? Pep is a high achiever. 
He's not a guy that will be okay with give me a cup, give me a league. No, what can I win that will give me the total package? Now, the only total package that he can achieve now is going after the Champions League. If he wins it, he will be more than happy. Regardless if he will show us, no, I'm just cool. I'm just, I just want it. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. It's only the Champions Two to one is a horrible price, though, Yanni. No, I wouldn't touch that. That's bad for City, considering what we've seen from them this season. Yes and no. I mean, I'm, I'm changing my favourites. I saw Bayern Munich playing PSG over two games. Then uh, Bayern was back as one of my favourites to, to, to get the Champions League. But I'm with Mario, of course. You go to, to Bayern Munich and you've seen Jupp Heynckes winning the Champions League there. Uh, and then you go to Manchester City. Of course you want to win, win the Champions League. I think he's, he will be dreaming of it. He will be thinking of it 24-7. Of course he, he wants. And, and you know, a, a great coaches Pep Guardiola wants to win that with other clubs and with other players than Messi. Same as Sir Alex Ferguson, the great Sir Alex Ferguson says after his career, I would love to have won more Champions League trophies. That that had fulfilled my career and I think Pep Guardiola will probably see, say the same if he, he doesn't win another Champions League triumph. We'll say thank you very much to Jan and Mario. Of course, we'll be reflecting on that game between Leipzig and Manchester City on the next edition of the show. Be sure to join us. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Plenty of controversial calls this weekend, particularly at Old Trafford, Red Devil, Ten Hag Red, Rage at Double Standards, United are left to rue, Casemiro Red. Uh, for more on this, let's welcome in former Premier League referee Mark Glattenberg joins us. What a treat for us all. Uh, Mark, let's talk about the Casemiro Red card first. Right decision? Yes, it is. And what we've got to remember, intention was taken out the laws many years, years ago. Does Casemiro intend to make this tackle? No. Because what he does, the foot hits the ball and ricochets onto the onto the shin of his opponent. And what we look at as, as referees is, has he lunged? Has he got his studs? Has he come in with force? Has he come in with speed? Yes to all of them answers and them questions. So therefore, I can understand why the referee give a red card. Because he clearly endangers the safety of the opponent. Because where the studs catch the his opponent's shin. And, you know... The problem Manchester United have got in this situation is this player is now going to get a four-match suspension because he's already been previously sent off. And the inconsistencies that they see week in, week out, where some players are getting sent off and some aren't. So they're trying to defend the player, of course, but you can have no excuses that this is, for me, a red card. Do you agree with the Geordie robot? 
Absolutely. Yes. Yep. Okay. Right. Uh, you mentioned inconsistencies. This is all brought up, obviously, uh, in the press conference yesterday from Ten Hag, who referred to the Ricardo challenge that we saw early on in the Chelsea game, where, of course, no red card was shown. How did VAR get this so wrong, Mark? This is where we go on about the inconsistencies because mm. this is exactly mm. the same challenge. He's lunged for the ball. Yes, there's, there's less speed, but. The consequence of this challenge could clearly endanger the safety of the opponent. And why is he making this type of challenge with his stud shown? So for me, this is where I think Howard Webb now, who was the head of the referee and in England for the PG well, has to look at this to get consistency because this is what's infuriating everybody week in, week out. What's the significance of the yellow square behind you before we continue, Mark? Okay. Uh, it's just a hotel. It's just my hotel room, I think. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is it Norton Crosses? <laughs> I, I, I thought it might have some sort of artistic relevance, but then it is you. Uh, right, now, let's talk about the, the handball call that Ten Hag wanted uh, for a penalty. We weren't sure. We couldn't really decide whether or not, in fact, there was an arm to the ball here, Mark. What do you think? But even if there was... For me, he slips, the defender slips, and he naturally puts his hands to the ground. Where can he put his arms? He can't. And what he does at the last moment, he actually wants to take his arm away, which imbalances his whole body. And that's a bit bizarre. So we look as referees, is the player slipped? His arms are in a natural position for where they should be. There isn't a movement of the ball. And if it did hit the arm, which there is a question, did it touch his arm or not? I think the referee and the VR have got this... Uh, spot on because for me the arms cannot be removed from that position doesn't make any sense does it we see we see penalties given for players going for headers in the air and their arm comes up and it hits their arm and all of a sudden their arms in an unnatural position which is not considering what the attempt of the defender to, to jump his arms in a natural position so I don't get the I don't get the correlation between, well, his hand's down because he slipped. I mean, how about, how about Veghorst is clean through if that ball doesn't stop, isn't stopped by the arm? What do you think, Ali? Veghorst has got, Veghorst has got a shot. He's got, he's got a side volley into the back of the net if that ball doesn't hit the defender's arm. Now, I understand what you're saying, Stevie. I'm just not certain that it hits the arm. That's the that's, that's point that... Can I, can I jump in? No, go, please go ahead. Well, if you watch it, if you can show us that again, right. watch the way the ball spins. Oh, hmm. here we go. The ball, the ball hits the left arm, and you see the way it spins, tells you it hits the arm and then the go. body. Watch the spin. It spins towards them and then comes away. See, what I'm not certain about is whether it hits the thigh first and go. then the arm. No, it doesn't. That's why I'm telling you about the way the ball goes. <laughs> Just watch where the ball ends up. If the ball, if the ball was the other way around, Ali, yeah? it would have ended up straight, straighter. Because it, because it hits his arm first, it pops back out that way. Well, I'm not going to defy the laws physics, of physics, uh, physics as, as you have presented them so eloquently. Uh, all I would say is that I don't think, if, if it was not given a penalty to begin with, I don't think that the evidence there is, is clear to say definite handball. I think there's enough doubt for there to not be a VAR involvement. Can I ask you a question? Yes, please, go ahead. So, Does it include physics? I, I understand it's a tough decision because I had to look at it a thousand times to see whether it hit his arm first or not, right? Right. So that being said, it's a difficult decision. But when you come to the decision that it hit his arm first... Do you think what 
do, do you think the, that's a good enough reason not to give a penalty? What, what, what is well, Mark's saying he's oh, okay. Are you Mark's mean, you mean the hand. hand's been down Mark's here? saying his hand is in a natural right. position, yeah. and that was one of the reasons why you can't give it. I, that's the bit I, I just don't get that. I, I agree with you there, Stephen, that I don't want to benefit the defender because he slips. Yeah. Slipping is on him. It's not on Horse. It's not on Manchester United. And right. so, in that regard, I agree with you. But in terms of this being clearly a handball, I'm not sure because I'm not sure I cannot give it as a penalty. Yeah, to that point, Mark, isn't slipping then putting you in an unnatural position anyway? So irregardless of where your hand is, you've got to be in control of your body. And if you can't stop yourself from slipping, then you have to kind of suffer the consequences. Yeah, I don't understand what you're saying. However, they came out with some instructions at the start of the season where IFAB and FIFA looked at the handball because there's so many inconsistencies with handball. And what they did say is if a player was sliding, for example, to block a cross and his arm was already on the, on the ground, therefore we wouldn't punish this. So therefore, what's the difference if I slip it's a, it doesn't matter if he slips or not. His hands were already on the ground as that ball comes in. And if it does, what, I'm, what I was trying to explain is, even if the ball did touch his arm, that were both on the ground, therefore, referees under the new interpretation wouldn't punish that as a handball. Okay. Uh, let's move on to another penalty claim that we saw at Old Trafford, the challenge from, uh, on Bruno Fernandes. What do you think of this, Mark? This will split the opinions because... You know, not, playing the ball isn't enough anymore in the modern day football. Does the defender get a touch on the ball first? You can argue, yes, he does. But there is a back leg also catching Fernandez's foot. And therefore, you can argue, saying, well, why is that not a penalty? For me, I think if the referee gives this on the field of play, the VR would support it. However, because the referee doesn't give it and gives a corner, there is enough evidence to suggest that the defender does get a little touch on the ball first. So for me, this just stays with the on-field decision. So he got the ball, mm. and then Fernandez goes goes over him. Well, he, with the training leg, he takes Fernandez. That's the argument, isn't it? I mean, we've just been talking about. Well, you can't help it if you slip and you put your arm down. Right. <laughs> so how can you start talking now about you've won a challenge, you've won the ball, it's gone out for a corner kick, but because of the momentum of both you and the player. You gotta st you gotta stub your leg apparently. I mean Stevie. seriously, it's impossible then, isn't it? I mean, he, his leg. It's the left leg. Look at the left right, leg. Right, his leg to begin with is in a natural position. If we want to go this natural position part, right. then his leg's in a natural position. And what's he supposed to do? Hold it behind his neck so it doesn't come through. <laughs> right. I mean, it's just a natural. It's going to happen. Yeah. You got to go in a yoga position. I mean, yep. Contortion. <laughs> <laughs> so there's no way, I, for me, no way in a million years it's a penalty. If this is a penalty, the game is gone. All right. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. This cannot be a penalty. Okay. All right. Now, what do we make of the Nick Pope challenge that we saw your beloved Newcastle in action against Wolves, uh, Mark? Uh, they got away with one here, didn't they? I'm struggling to find any reason how <laughs> this isn't a penalty kick. And, you know... Pope has done this twice in the last three games and he's made a mistake. Oh. And what what I what and I know we don't we shouldn't look at players' reactions, but watch Pope's reaction. He's looking around to see where the referee was, are they gonna get away with it? But even without the referee, where's the VAR? Is he was he asleep? Because this is a clear foul and yeah. there is a genuine attempt to play the ball from Pope. So therefore I can give a yellow card. I wouldn't give a red card, but for sure it's a penalty kick, and this changed the course of the game for sure. 
Where's the genuine attempt to play the ball, Mark? He grabs the player. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but this, Dan, I think, you know, what, where this law came in, what they didn't want is this, what they called triple triple punishment, where there was a send-off, uh, punishment, a suspension, and a penalty kick. If there is enough doubt in this situation, for me, there is enough doubt. The angle's wide as well. Trippier could probably block anything that was going towards the goal. I just think there's enough evidence to suggest that the goalkeeper was making an attempt for the ball as well. So, for me, I think a yellow card and a penalty would have been the, the right result. Uh, let's go back to the Chelsea game, shall we? Arguments that uh, maybe there could have been another red card. Uh, Auntie on Havertz. Havertz obviously shown us his uh, stud marks after this one. Uh, should this have been a red card? <laughs> I, think, I think this is a prime example where referees don't understand, the, you know, under, don't understand football. Yeah, we understand the laws. The defenders clearly played the ball. However... This defender knows exactly what he's doing. This clearly, with them marks on the chest, clearly endangered the safety of the opponent. I think this defender could have easily avoided this challenge. And actually, as he plays it, he just deliberately goes even further up. And for me, I don't understand why this isn't a red card. Uh, if Havertz goes to you and then shows you his chest, uh, Mark, <laughs> does that influence Are you the okay there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course, of course every referee looks for technique, tools, what's happened. For example, when two players have challenged for the ball and you see, for example, a player have, for sure having a broken leg or they've got a nasty, for example, cut in his sock and you can see some blood. Sure, these telltale signs tell a referee mm, something's happened here because we don't see it exactly how we see sometimes on TV. But this is why we have VAR now. The VAR can easily use the stills. They have the time. Why did they not use this to go to the monitor and therefore, they would have got the right result. And even by the time that, Havards would have showed him the, 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 his chest anyways. And therefore, they would have had all these techniques to get the right result, which is a clear red card. Uh, yes. Not, not the best thing for the officials. <laughs> 100% a red card. OK, it, but it's not just England. Obviously, it's all over the world in wow. which referees are terrible. Uh, let's head now to Spain, <laughs> oh, shall we? Uh, this is uh, what Mundo Deportivo had to say about that late goal that was annulled for Athletic. For the hand, uh-huh. uh, of course, it was a handball in the build-up of this. Uh, it's because really, of the hand. Yeah, really interesting, really interesting uh, take on the laws, which we'll get to Mark in a moment. Nessa Valverde said, today it was our turn. Another day it will happen to others. It is a bit absurd that someone does not see a play on the field and someone with a telescope is recording and there is always some irregularity. Uh, let's take you through the incident, shall we? This is late on in the game. Athletic Club get the equaliser. The ball comes through to uh, Nico Williams. He scores a lovely goal. Uh, we see the Inyaki goal. Williams. There is, uh, in Yaki Williams. Sorry, he scores the goal. Boom. Okay. Right. Yep. 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 Uh-huh. Yep. Right. Yep. Uh, here we go. Right. So the high foot from De Jong. Munain's turning, and then obviously handles the ball in the process of the turn. The referee judges that as handball, and the goal is chalked off. Oh. Steve, let's go. But what, which part of the VAR doesn't see that De Jong's boot is up at? I mean, you can't see the toe of his boot because it's so high. So do two so wrongs the ball make a right? Arm, That's the question as well here, isn't it? The what? Do two wrongs make a right? Does one chalk off the other? Yes, well, 100%. Let's go now to Mark Clattenburg. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand this. At the end of the day, what the referees have deemed that they believe that this is a deliberate handball because if it isn't deliberate, the play should continue and therefore the goal should be correctly given. My, my opinion is 
Nobody on the field of play thinks that this is a handball. Look, there's not one player appealed and said this is a handball because they know that this the player had a high foot. The other player turns in. He doesn't want it deliberately handling. He's actually turning his body away from the high foot. And therefore, this cannot be deliberate. And what the VR has done, and this is where I think referees need to learn when they go to the on-field monitor, is stop this one second before and one second after. Because if you're going to show us a handball in slow motion, one second before and one second after, the referee will always be following what the VR has given him. I think what you need to watch is, is the full speed. You need to see it a few good seconds before to judge what's actually happened. And if I think if the referee had seen the high foot and seen the full footage, he wouldn't have got involved. And I think this is where the VAR has caused the referee a problem because, like everything else, many referees now who go to the on-field monitor give what the VAR give. And sometimes we need, certainly VARs now, need to understand that they need to show the referee in full motion, full speed, especially when we're judging handballs. Can we, can we break it down into, okay, is it a handball? Right? Regardless of whether there's a high foot or not, it is a handball. And then the discussion becomes, and which is the part that I don't quite understand, as to why there isn't a discussion between the referee and the VAR official regarding the, the high foot. They fell in love with the conversation regarding the handball that obviously they ignore the high foot and what may have caused the handball. But if we separate things here, is it a handball? Yes. Is it a high foot? Yes. But I don't think the high foot was ever in the conversation. It was only focused on the handball. And once you do that and you see the contact with the arm, you call it, and now we have controversy. How, how, relevant, how relevant is the high foot, Mark? Say that the high foot comes got, in and I, and I knock it with my hand on purpose. Does yeah, but one got, you, cancel out the other? No, because I think all, we've, got to, we've got to look at what the player was trying to do here. The player was trying to win the ball. He's trying to avoid the high foot. So he turns his body. He doesn't flick the ball with his hand and go, wait, yeah, I'm going to knock the ball past him off the high, off the high foot. He actually turns his body because he wants to avoid any contact with that boot. And yes, the ball hits the arm. But are we saying that this is deliberate? For me, this is never a deliberate handball. And these, that's the decision that we have to look at. Has the player deliberately handle the ball under the guidelines that we're given. Is the arm natural? Yes, for the high foot. Has he made a movement of the ball? No. You can actually argue the ball hits the shoulder as well because, you know, there is this doubt where the ball actually hits. So for me, there's so much doubt in this decision. The VAR should have just looked quickly, looked at it and said to the referee, clean ball. This incident aside, Mark, just, just, just as a general conversation, what happens if he did handle the ball on purpose? You can see it's on purpose, but you can also see a high foot. How much, yeah. if anything, does that then influence the referee's decision looking at the incident? Yeah, you've got to judge that because the high foot isn't an, an incident that the VR will look at. He's only going to look. If he deliberately handled the ball, then the goal will be rightly chalked off because right. they didn't have a chance to reset the play. So therefore... The defender's never had a chance to play the ball. I think it was one pass straight to the centre forward who then finishes the ball. And the only time that an accidental handball is punished now is when the player who scores the goal directly scores. So for me, we have to look at, you know, if it's a deliberate act, the referee should see it. And I think he was in a good position to see it. And 
for me, this is where VAR is damaging football because, like you say, I think the coach said, we're looking down a telescope to actually see a minor detail in slow motion and you can see anything in slow motion. Football. It's not damaging. How is it damaging football? The only thing that's ever damaged football in the same sense is when we didn't have that, when we got wrong decisions. Right. The fact that we've got a wrong decision, we believe, doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't make the game worse. It just means that, that the guy doesn't, doesn't officiate properly. And, and when you're in the VAR box, you know, we always talk about when players are through on goal, do they have composure in front of goal to see what it is, to calm down, to pick the spot, to do all the things, right? Is that what it's like in a VAR box? Because I would like to think if I was one of those guys in the VAR box, yes, I would see the hit the guy's arm, but I would also see De Jong's foot. Then it's a quick conversation between the three of you and then you make a decision. Mm. I mean, is it like that in the VAR box? You know, is it, do they actually compose themselves? Are they all just going, oh, how long's this taking? Oh, we're all panicking, let's quick. We need, right, right. We need to make a decision. Hurry up, what are you doing? <laughs> quick, quick, what are you doing? Is it one of those situations or what? No, I just think, I think they've just judged the handball. They're not, they're not interested in the high foot. They're just wow. judging, has this player handled the ball? And in Spain, they've decided that, the VAR's decided that's a handball. I don't agree with it, it's a handball. I think, yes, the ball hits the arm, but it's natural to, to avoid the high foot. He's actually turning his body away. So the conversation to the referee, he didn't see it. So he said to the VAR, I didn't see it. The VAR said, well, I think there's a deliberate handball here. And then he's gone to the monitor and they've had a discussion at the monitor. And my danger is that the VAR has only shown him one second before, in slow motion, one second after. And sometimes referees need to see the whole play because I'm, I'm not saying we're always full of players. But tell me, if one player on that pitch thought it was a handball, nobody why did. did. Why didn't the referee see the, the, the boot? Hmm? Why didn't the referee see the boot when he went to the monitor? I don't know, Stephen. <laughs> um, one last play, and this is definitely a handball, but the reason we're bringing it up is that the referee seemed to use a little bit of common sense. No, I don't believe that. Because there were rugby... <laughs> so obviously the rugby lines are on the pitch. The goalkeeper has used the rugby line and got confused with the 18-yard box. Get them off! So the, I ref don't care. the referee has only shown a yellow card. What? No! Yes. What? Yes. No. Go on, ref! What? You are. No. You asked for common sense. No. Yes. yes. That's not common sense. Of course yes. that is. That's no, it's not. Common sense. Yes. No, it's not. Poor Get guy. Off. Wrong line. That's okay. Get him off. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Mark, did the referee Go. do the right thing? Here, here's the one for you. You know, because it's comical, we're laughing about it, but we've got to follow the laws of the game. And if we if we analyse this, the referee's made a sorry, the goalkeeper's made a misjudgment because he believes that the, the line is in front, the rugby line, has affected his, his position and he thinks he's just caught the ball. What we've got to look at is, has the attacker got a chance, a goal-scoring opportunity? It has a chance to get it before the goalkeeper because the goalkeeper's <laughs> made a misjudgment. And if the goalkeeper makes a misjudgment, that's not a red card offence. The red card offence is, has he stopped a clear goal-scoring opportunity? There is an argument the defender stops. He was in front of the attacker. The attacker might not have got to the ball anyways. So therefore... There is a doubt for the referee. So as long as he follows the laws of the game, because there is a doubt, I can understand why this was given as a yellow yes. card. But everybody yes. thinks because the goalkeeper handled yes. it. I don't, there's, because no, the there's no doubt he caught it. Yeah. I love it. There's Steve. no doubt he handled it. There's no denying a goal-scoring opportunity. Hey, don't make that argument hey, now. You're saying common straight, sense. I want a straight <laughs> yes or no. Does the goalkeeper deliberately handle the ball? 100%. 
But that's not a right. red card. Well, you're off because you're outside the box. You're not. Absolute <laughs> rubbish. You can't, yes. just, you can't just punish a goalkeeper. Yes. You can't handle... If the goalkeeper deliberately handles the ball outside the box, then it's a red card. Not if Steven's I, I don't care if all the other players are standing on their own goal line. You can't deliberately handle the ball outside the box. You're off. Mark, yeah. Mark is a referee, Let's, Stephen. Yeah, why? Let's get the Steve Nichols weird. Steve Nichols' laws of the game, because this is not in the laws of the game. He's up, he's up, he's up, he's up. He's up. Why is it I just don't understand why it's not red. None of this. Oh, let's play nice. It doesn't really matter. Let's play nice. Because he's not denying he a, a scoring opportunity. Oh, right. He made, he made a mistake, right? Have you listened to what he's saying? I, I listen, and it makes no sense whatsoever. I think it makes complete sense. Oh, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. If you deliberately, a goalkeeper deliberately handles a ball outside the box, I don't care if it's going for a goal kick at a, at a corner. Why is that different to a player grabbing the ball when he goes down then? He's deliberately. Well, they don't, that's not in the rules. That's a yellow card. Well, no, it's your one in the rules. That's role. a yellow card. If a player falls on the ball deliberately and candles it, it gets a yellow card, right? right? Yes. Now, if a goalkeeper deliberately handles the ball outside his box, that's a red card. It's not in the law, Stevie. Scott, Steve, it's only if he stops a goal scoring opportunity. That's the question. I'm with you, Stevie. Even on the loss of stupidity, this goalkeeper deserves a red card. I'm with you, Stevie. (laughs) But it's not in the laws, is it? You're telling me. (laughs) No, I'm telling you, he's a plumbing referee. (laughs) Oh, yeah, referees are always right, isn't they? (laughs) I like it. I like it. Uh, is that really? Is that really the law? Yes. Well, why would he make it up? <laughs> I've never seen that in my life. There you go. But I suppose normally it's a referee's under pressure from an attacker, and he comes out and punches it or catches it under pressure. This is an anomaly because he's not under pressure. He just got the wrong line. <laughs> you learn something every day. Oh my God! He backed down. <laughs> you back down now. Wow. I'm with you, Stevie. I'm shocked. There we go. <laughs> What's interesting? Mark's painting has got a yellow, and look, it's got a red one as yeah. well for the referee. This is like a referee thing. Happy birthday Yay. to you, Mark. What a lovely Thank way to spend it with us. Yeah. Uh, excellent. Oh, Thank yeah. you. There you go. Lovely. Oh. Have you got some Guinness on? <laughs> oh, yeah. That's it. Beautiful. That's good, right? Happy birthday, Mark. Well done. Oh, happy birthday. You, you, you proved Stevie wrong. What a present. Hey, Mark. Hey. Uh, there is an edition of the Gamma Jewels podcast available to listen to. I was to with now. you, Steve. Be sure to I'm check that out. <laughs> I'm going to loot that up. YouTube. <laughs> oh, what a game we saw in Spain today. Oh. Would you believe it? Atleti scored an injury time to beat Girona by one goal to nil. Alvaro Morata scoring from Moreno range uh, to give Atleti all three points to solidify uh, their place in third. uh, Three points clear of Real Sociedad. Our Clasico, of course, is this weekend, Sunday, March 19th. Barca taking on Real Madrid, a must-win game for Carlo Ancelotti's side. And it's live on ESPN+. If you're in Los Angeles, head to Tom's. There is a special watch party. Doors open at 11 a.m. Special guest, Real Madrid legend, Hugo Sanchez. Uh, Milan can only manage a 1-1 draw against Salernitana on Monday, meaning they remain fourth, one point adrift of Lazio in third. 
Uh, one more game, of course, we'll see on Tuesday in the Champions League. Porto taking on Inter. Inter with a 1-0 lead going into that. Uh, everyone's going for a draw, with the exception of myself. I think Porto's going to win. Uh, Inter will go through on penalties. Mario thinks Porto's going to win. And Porto will go through on penalties. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news! Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Pardon the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Uh, that's it. Be sure to stay tuned. Uh, Jan and Mario back. Extra time <laughs> on next. <laughs> Welcome into the latest edition of ESPN FC. Thank you as always for your tweets. We've got Jan, Mario are here as well. Ali's here. How is the uh, preparations going for the big storm in the uh, nickel household, Stevie? <laughs> oh, everything's ready. We've got salt ready. Yeah. Got, uh, got the shovels ready. Right. Oh. Yeah, got the jackets ready. Nice. Where's ready. your voice gone in the excitement as well? <laughs> <laughs> We've just been talking about it so much. Yeah, <laughs> How much of your contribution has there been to this? I'm very good at organising. Uh-huh. Really? Yeah, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because, of course, you know, my, my uh, shoulder. Ah, ah, the old sling. Get the old sling. sling. <laughs> tomorrow. I can't. I can't. Oh, I can't. And you've been shoveling slow all day, yeah? This is a normal, normal thing in Norway, Jan. Uh, absolutely. Yesterday I was looking for my bathing suits. Uh, I was oh. so happy for, this, for the kind of... Uh, now a glimpse of summer time and then today I've been out for an hour trying to get a snow away my wife put the car it couldn't get in and uh, well, terrible but but for the first time for a year I was a man I managed to get the car out of the snow so it's a great <laughs> day for in the fjord of household well done yet what's that Fail to prepare. Yep, prepare to fail. There you go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, for the boys, uh, we'll go with Jan as he's feeling very manly. Uh, Arsenal look incredibly <laughs> dangerous with Trossard in the lineup. Assuming all players are healthy, what would your starting front line be for Arsenal, Jan? Oh, tough one. When they bought uh, uh, Trossard, I was thinking, well, is that the player you've got to have? Uh, and then I, I thought, thinking, Ateta will know better than me that what Arsenal need. And you saw that this weekend, three assists, it was brilliant. So I think at the moment I will get Trossard, Saka had got to be there. And then I will put Jesus in, not because of all his goals, but it's something about the way he moves. The, he, he got a contagious way of playing to, to get the, the players going and I, I think Jesus will get more goals uh, now in the coming months that could be very decisive for Arsenal So we're going Trossard, Saka, Jesus what do you think Mario? 
Uh, I would not. Uh, if, if I go from now, because we got to wait maybe a couple of weeks and has to change this, but I would get him in slightly. So I would let the team the way it's performing now because it looked really good before Jesus came on. And of course, I mean, the first couple of games, he scored so many goals for them, but then the injury came. So I would, I would get him in slowly. So I would leave yeah. Saka, Martinelli, and Trossard. Yep. Fair enough. I think I would go with Jan. You go with Jan? I go with Jan. You get rid of Martinelli. I don't. I think that's the wrong way to put it, Dan. Getting rid of him. Well, I think. Uh, I think. <laughs> I think that's how he'll look at it. I think he. he <laughs> what a servant he's been all season. He showed his he hand. Ditch him. He showed his hand when he came in. That Martinelli kept his place. Yes. But then when Trossard's come in, I mean, the weekend he worked three assists. Martinelli. So at the end of the day, it's about who's producing. Right, Martinelli's and producing as well. Trossard is producing better than Martinelli, so. Well, they're both I'm producing better than Saka. Exactly if we get, we're going to be like that. They're both better than Saka over recent games, aren't <laughs> hey, they? Don't, don't, don't bite. Don't bite. Just leave him alone. Just wait until he's shot. So. <laughs> you know that he's doing it on purpose. To, no, you know, like, just to make sure that he gets it. Hey, listen, I'm not in any hurry. Okay. All right. The dog's getting walked regardless of what time it is. <laughs> Who's walking the dog? Me, of course. It's raining a lot out there. Have you seen it, Stevie, out there? I'm a man. I don't, I'm not worried about rain. All right. Oh, oh God, here we Dan go. Man, well, this is a, me and you are going to take a dog for a walk. Oh, are you uh, finished? Pardon? Are you finished? Uh, yes, go on. Continue. Okay, thank you. Very kind of you. Go on. Sorry. We should just call this Thomas Extra Time, shall we? In future. It doesn't really have a good ring to it, does it? No, it doesn't. No, <laughs> absolutely. I, I would have gone for Thomas Time. <laughs> Much better, alliteration. Yeah, yeah, I think we should change it. <laughs> no, I think absolutely right now you go with Trossard. And, and, and if he keeps this up, Martinelli's not going to get himself back because I think Trossard is a better footballer. Martinelli's a little more dynamic and a little more straightforward and goes after fullbacks, whereas Trossard's can do a lot of different things. So I would say Trossard, Jesus and Saka. Okay. Is that okay? Well, perfect. No, you're not getting any say about that? Oh, thank nope. you so much for that. All right. What a wonderful answer. Thank All you right. so much for your time. Hashtag. Much appreciated. FC Thomas. <laughs> no, you deserve it more than that. <laughs> yeah, and as a striker, oh, God, did you write this in yourself? Do you yeah. get frustrated watching the City midfield not serve Erling Haaland when he makes runs? I think there's been a change, Dan. Uh, I think oh. that uh, we, we saw that at the Bournemouth game where they nearly looked more for him. Uh, I got a feeling, as you do, uh, you got a feeling that this has been high on the agenda for Manchester City. And I think lately, the, the couple of two or three games, they've more looked after him. He also, you saw when there was a penalty, you know, that they didn't have this tea party when all people were coming over and wanted to get an easy goal. This time it was down to Erling Haaland. So I think they, they've sorted that. I don't think that will be a problem, as they say in Sopranos, for the rest of the season. I think Gundogan take the penalty. No. No. Yeah. No. no. Haaland should shoot all got brought down for the penalty. Right. And Haaland took Haaland. the penalty. Oh, that was a while ago, though, wasn't it? That wasn't this weekend. Yes, it was. Rodri. Rodri. It was. Hey, look. If, you, if we're going to yeah, have Thomas time, Thomas got to know what's going <laughs> on. this weekend. Don't worry, Dan. We all looked at the penalty. Is he having a laugh? Is he having a laugh? It was the late penalty, yeah. God, I completely... That was a Crystal Palace game. Yes, it was. Oh, yeah, I completely erased that from my memory. It was so bad. It was only two days ago, Dan. Ali, what did you do when you were a striker and you weren't getting the supply that you wanted? Uh, it's frustrating because, unlike Erling Haaland, goals did not come easy to me, you see? Yes. 
and I needed the supply. And if it wasn't coming, then again, it's well documented that my kind of range is six yards and in. More so than any striker, I needed the ball to be there. So all the running, when you're not getting service, becomes rather frustrating. So you try to tell yourself that all the things that you're doing are helping the team win, but at some point, you gotta feed me. At some point, you gotta yeah. give me a reason to feel alive, and that's where the goals come. Did, would you have a conversation about that? Would you go into the locker room and say, feed me? <laughs> not quite like that, but you would uh, make sure that people knew that you were available. Right. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I think it, it's you, a very You have good... a pretty straightforward conversation, I'm pretty sure. Go on, Jan. It's a very good point, Dan, because I think there are communication, not that you go into the locker room, but I think that that doesn't have to be your best mate or whatever. Uh, I play, when I came to England with Swindon, I played with Mick Summerby's son, Nick Summerby. He's the best crosser I've ever played with. He was fantastic. And we we did in training, when you come there, I go there, do it early before they go all the way back to the goalkeeper, use that space and everything. So so yes, you can have a, have a dialogue. <laughs> it's good to hear someone coughing, not me on this program. Uh, so I always I always had a dialogue with, uh, with the crosser, uh, of the ball, the most decisive ones. Yeah, and is the Bundesliga title race over? <laughs> Ask Stevie. But uh, Stevie and me yeah, are talking about this. Two points is the difference, isn't it? At the moment? Two points yeah. is it? Yeah, right. I will two, I'll tell you what. Bayern, Bayern, sorry, Jan, on you go. Now I'm just saying just to, to end it because Stevie and me were like, like I think it's the third season. We always as excitement now, but see, see it again you know, when when Bayern Munich concentrate and I have to say they're winning five three against Augsburg. They're just waiting for it. But to be fair to Dortmund, they have a fantastic 2023. 20, but in the Revere Derby, uh, one nil up, two one up, and I still couldn't make it. That makes the the Bayern Munich team just sitting in the sofa laughing, I guess. Well, they got Bayern in a couple of weeks, right? Yes, the classica. Yeah. So it will definitely be over in two weeks. Oh, Stevie, come on. <laughs> oh. Um, Ali, can Barca call their last summer spend a success if they just win La Liga? Xavi seems failed to create a competitive team for any European competitions. I don't know how you don't call your season a success if you win your league title. Yeah. I mean, that is first and foremost the priority that you're able to not only compete at the league, but win the league. And that would be an improvement from wherever Barcelona was last season. So I think you can call it a success. If you add Copa del Rey to it as well, it's an even better success. And it will go a long way in softening the blow of not advancing in Champions League. Mario, what is the most memorable goal you've ever seen scored in a soccer match? Here we go. Oh, uh, the the goal I, I, I saw, I saw Marco from Basta scoring a goal. Um, it was at Ajax and it was, um, it was a bicycle kick. I don't know if you, I'm, I'm sure you, some of the guys might remember that. He scored a bicycle yeah. kick, was at home and it was in the top corner. And I was a young boy and I was, I got the free pass because I was a young Ajax player at the time. And there was a gate and I could sneak through the gate and I got into the, the hardest kind of defense, you know, that make the most noise in the fireworks. And I could celebrate with them. So for an 11-year-old kid, that was for yeah. me like one of the biggest achievements. So yeah, Marco von Basten's bicycle kick against them boss in, uh, in Holland. It's awesome. Yeah? Well, do, do we have to be the live or only what we've seen? Uh, but uh, No, live, I think I, it's better. 
Uh, live is better. Well, I, I played against Cantona. Uh, he did some funny things, but I, I, I just have to say that's why I asked because I still can't make out that like every six months you have this Bergkamp goal where he's turning around with his leg and his body and still manage to be in balance to score. I, I, I still can't do it. I, I, I try again and again slowly see what he's doing and I still can't understand A, how we do it, how he makes it happen and if he does it on purpose and Dennis Bergkamp, I played against Dennis Bergkamp, I know that everything he did was on purpose. I think that is yeah. the most amazing goal I've ever seen. So Jan asked me the question, what's the best goal? Uh -huh. Do live? Yeah. Ignores the answer. Right. Because he's going to give us the Dennis Bergkamp story regardless yeah. of what I say. Okay. Well, exactly. it's Fjortov time. No, no longer <laughs> Thomas time, it's Fjortov time. Fjortov FC. <laughs> uh, Stevie, I want to go, I want to go with, with Jan. <laughs> Thank no, you, wait, you were there. No, I don't care about no, we can, no, no, but no. you were there on the pitch. You're like, wow, what a goal that was. No, no, I'm going to go with Jan. 78. World Cup. Bergkamp wasn't around then, was he? <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? Was this Bergkamp goals you're talking about? <laughs> I thought you were going to agree with Jan about the Bergkamp. No, it's 88. No, Steve, 88, <laughs> Stevie. You're thinking of the volume yeah. against Dasayev. No, and this is a very Scottish thing, though. OK. Because, as you know, in, in 1978, Scotland were supposed to win the World Cup yes. in Argentina. Yep. Yeah. And so the whole country thought that. We did. We actually did. As crazy as it may sound. And so Scotland were horrible in the first two games. And they had yeah. to beat Holland by two goals to qualify for the next stages. Right. And Archie Gamble walked past yeah. three defenders, uh, yeah. scored to make it 2-1, with like 20 minutes to go. And all of a sudden, we were back. There was hope. We were back. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, just the whole country. You could hear the you could hear the whole place. The whole, there was nobody on the roads. Everybody was in the house. I mean, this is it. We're back. Yep. The Dutch took the, took the kick off. Ari Han got the ball from the kick off and shot from forty yards and put it in the top corner. <laughs> I mean, it's impossible. As soon as you talk about remembering a goal or yep. goals in the space of two minutes. We'd won the World Cup again. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, what a strike from Marianne. Oh, got to be 40 yards, top corner. Go. Beautiful. Well, oh was, that, was, that Ali, was that Ali McLeod, uh, Steve, who said you were going to win the World Cup? Yeah. That was Ali's army. <laughs> we were on the march with Ali's army. Oh. We're going to the Argentine. And we're really shaking up right, where, when we win where, the World where, where Cup. Where are these lyrics are going? Because Scotland are the greatest football team. Beautiful. Oh. Number one in the charts it was. Well, there we go. Big competition <laughs> in Scotland that year. Uh, UK, you know. <laughs> Ali? I'm actually going to follow the rules of the uh, question. Thank you, Ali. I'm going to be a teacher's pet here. Hey, well, I know I do, but hey, 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 people. It's almost time, all right? Okay. You have a bite your apple. Um, and, and it wasn't a particularly great goal or anything outstanding about the goal, but the significance of the goal. And it was World Cup qualifiers against Argentina, Messi and all their toys playing with Venezuela, winning the game 1-0. And it was sort of that time in which you kind of got the sense that, you know what, we, we can compete. Right. We can play against these players. We can be on the field with these guys who are so talented, who we see every weekend destroying other teams around the world. And yet, 
because we had a, a group that was willing to work for each other, to sacrifice for each other. We won the game one nothing. It was significant for us. Now, did that mean that we were going to the World Cup? Mm, not quite. We came up <laughs> short. But in that night, well, it was magical. It was more, the story's more about the goal, not the moment. You know what? I'm going back to Fjord of FC. Fjord of time. I prefer Fjord of even, time. You didn't even talk about the goal. Timely Indians tonight. No, I just say. Should we tell people that you got here late today? No, no. I was, I was on time. But what, <laughs> the most memorable goal. That's why it was memorable. But you never told us who scored it. Doesn't matter. It was memorable. <laughs> Goals mean different things to different people, oh. though. Yes, that's true. Yeah. That's true. I was just trying to. If, if you must know, if you must know who scored. Yes. Osvaldo Vizcarrondo of a header. There we go. That's what I was going to say. Uh, final question: Waffles, pancakes, or crepes? Wow. Mario, you look like a man who enjoys waffles, pancakes, and crepes. I love pancakes. You know, Dutch boy, always go pancake house. We got pancakes with like, you know, like sweet on it. And oh, my banana. Oh, and then a little Nutella on top of it. I'm done. Yeah. You call me, I'm there anytime. So pancakes are number one, then waffles or crepes? I mean, a crepe is kind of similar because when yeah. I was living in France, that's what the French make. So I put the pancake first and I go for maybe yes. a crepe and then I yeah. put a waffle. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would start with the pancakes. Uh, Norway, I agree with Holland uh, on that one. Then I will go with the waffles because I come from a small village. We never heard about crepes, more or less. So I would go for pancakes, <laughs> waffles, and crepes. Oh, I don't really see the point of waffles, honey. Okay, oh, well, I will start waffles then. <laughs> waffles are a bit blur though, compared to like pancakes and crepes. Like, what does a waffle do? Not a lot. Well, it's a pancake, dude. Pancake's lovely, soft, you know, with some syrup, banana. And like if you that. have the right waffle, yeah. you have the right yeah. syrup, it, that yeah. is some kind of delicious. Really? Yes. You know, with a little so dusted sugar, a little dusted sugar on top right. of it. You know, just, just a little hint, a little right. hint of sugar. It doesn't right. be a whole lot. <laughs> yeah. Stevie, which of these Don't go best with... One, uh, which of these go best with ground beef? No, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. listen, absolutely pancake, yeah. I'm used to make them freshly made. Oh, beautiful! Right off the yeah. right off the, the, the griddle. Yeah. And then you just put oh. some butter on it. Put oh. the butter on it. Oh. Just watch it melt. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. And ram it. And ram it. Oh. Oh. Yes. Beautiful. Everyone's getting hungry now. Uh, on that, that note, uh, that brings us to the end of extra time. Thank you as always for joining us. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow, of course. Champions League action, very much a priority. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is to not search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, 
the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash FC. Just go to Indeed.com slash FC right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash FC. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 